0: From WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune, this is 16 Shots, the police shooting of Laquan McDonald. I'm Jen White. Five jurors have so far been selected to help decide the fate of Officer Jason Van Dyke. The court is looking for a total of 16, 12 jurors and four alternates. Today was the first day that the judge asked potential jurors questions face to face. Reporters Shannon Heffernan and Chip Mitchell are in the criminal courthouse, where Judge Vincent Gaughan has been questioning potential jurors about whether they could be fair. And Chip, I want to start with you. You were in the courtroom during some of the questioning. How did it work?
1: yeah just this afternoon um, we 're coming off of last week where all of the all two hundred of the prospective jurors filled out these very long uh, written questionnaires uh, more than a hundred questions um, so today was the first day where the judge and the attorneys questioned each individual prospective juror separately face-to-face. This happened behind closed doors in back of the courtroom in, in the jury room, the regular jury room, right next to the judge's chambers. It's a small room with a table. There are Doors to the bathrooms, a water cooler. Um, this questioning, it's called Voidir. It includes the judge. Uh, the pr- prospective juror sits at the head of the table. Officer Van Dyke is near the other end. Um, the judge is also allowing, in this process, in this little room, three journalists at a time to be in there. So I was one of those. Uh, for a session this afternoon. And then also two or three members of the public get to observe the questioning.
0: Were the attorneys for either the prosecution or defense also allowed to ask questions or just the judge?
1: The judge asks most of the questions. Well, first what happens is before the juror even comes in, uh, the judge will go through and and hear from both sides um, what questions they want to be asked. And and those are mostly just uh, repeats of what was on the questionnaire. Then when the juror comes in, the judge will ask the questions, and toward the end, the judge allows both the prosecution and the defense to ask questions themselves.
0: So what kinds of questions were being
1: asked? Well, lots of them are about whether a prospective juror can be fair, of course, and reach a, a verdict based on the evidence in the courtroom and not what they've heard in the media. And the judge tells everyone, look, we know you've heard about this case. You'd have to be living in a cave if you, if you hadn't. Now, some of the questions that get asked in this jury room, uh, they're very specific, like what bumper stickers the prospective juror has on their cars. So uh, when I was observing, there was a man who said that he has a number of vehicles and they have uh, FOP stickers. So that's the Fraternal Order of Police. And his dad, who's a f- former detective, retired detective, tells him to put it in the middle of his back window. Um, and then a f- cop friend of his, another friend of him, who's uh, his, who's an officer, tells him to put a, a, a blue line sticker on the back. And and this man's explanation was, well, that uh, you know, I, I do it because that, that'll help me uh, avoid getting a ticket when I'm going five miles over the speed limit. And then there was another man today where. Uh, he was asked about a bumper sticker he had, which said simply, equality, the man explained it means equality for all people. And then the next words out of his mouth were, I'm a gay man, and that's something that I'm not sure would have come out if not for the bumper sticker question.
0: Chip, what has Jason Van Dyke been like during the questioning?
1: Well, throughout this uh, day and uh, in the session that I observed myself, Officer Van Dyke has mostly kept his head down or stared ahead blankly. And he doesn't generally look at the prospective juror or even try to make eye contact when the person comes in. Um, Not even with people who look like they're headed to being selected to be on the jury as as several people were today. And this is really interesting because, you know, it looks like it like his team. You know, we've had every indication that his defense will be arguing at trial, that he shot McDonald in self-defense. And here he is, the defendant, not taking a chance to make a connection with the people who could be deciding whether he spends the rest of his life in prison. So even on this one question where the judge asks the potential juror to look at Jason Van Dyke and tell whether she or he can judge him fairly, when I was in the jury room and heard that, Officer Van Dyke kept looking down at the papers in front of him and you know kept writing notes. It's like he wasn't even paying attention.
0: So Shannon, I want to go to you now and talk about some of the jurors. What do we know about them?
2: So the very first juror who was questioned face to face by the judge actually got selected. She appeared to be a Latina woman. I want to be careful here because we don't know that for sure. That was just what the reporters who were in the room uh, guessed by looking at her. She is the mother of three children under the age of 10. On her form, she wrote that she respects police and she thinks they're just trying to do their jobs. The judge asked her to look at Van Dyke and then said, can you be fair? And she said, yes. As Chip mentioned, Van Dyke did not look back at her. While um, well, during her questioning, we actually got a hint that the jury might be sequestered. They asked her if it was going to be a, a problem, a childcare problem for her, because she may have to be in a hotel for weeks at a time. Now we don't know for sure that means that they're sequestering the jury, but we know that that means that it's at least a possibility that's still on the table.
0: And sequestering means basically that the jury would be um, cut off from the outside world for the duration of the trial.
2: It could be during the duration of the trial, or it could just be during jury deliberations. We're not sure at this point.
0: What about the others?
2: So another juror who was selected was a a woman who appeared to be white in her 30s or 40s. She mentioned that her significant other worked for DCFS, that's the Child and Family Welfare Agency in Illinois. That's important because it may come up in trial that Laquan McDonald was in state care um, throughout his through various points in his life. The defense tried to get her dismissed based on that, but the judge didn't go for it. Um, She did say that she supported police officers and thought they were very brave men and women, but she also said that she thought people made mistakes on all kinds of jobs and that they should be held accountable for that. There was another juror who was selected. He appeared to be an Asian man. On his form, he said, everyone must abide by the law, including law enforcement. There were no motions to dismiss him, so he was also selected for the jury. And the man who Chip mentioned uh, earlier, who had bumper stickers that said equality, um, he was selected. He talked about having a black priest who told stories about being racially profiled but said he wouldn't let stories like that influence his judgment about Jason Van Dyke. He said he didn't know a lot about the case because he didn't really watch TV. Um, He was also selected to be on the jury.
0: Now, several jurors were dismissed. What were the reasons?
2: There's two reasons people can be dismissed. One is cause, like hardship. So we saw people be dismissed today because they had to care for a sick relative or because their work wouldn't really allow them to have time off. It would cause too much financial hardship. There were also people who were dismissed because they said they couldn't be fair. For example, one woman said, I could be fair in any other case, but not this one. So she was dismissed with cause. Then you have these other kinds of dismissals. These are peremptory dismissals. And each side gets seven of these. Prosecution used one of their peremptory strikes on a man who appeared to be white. When he was asked about police, he said, if an officer asks you to do something, you should do it. Um, Prosecution tried to get him dismissed because he was hesitant when he was asked questions about whether or not he could be fair, but the judge didn't grant that. So prosecution ended up using one of their peremptory strikes for him. What
0: about on the defense
2: side, Shane? Defense used one of their peremptory strikes on a woman who appeared to be an African-American. She actually said that she learned her son had been shot while she was filling out the jury questionnaire. Was there any reaction in the room to that story? No, according to Chip, who was in the room at the time, there wasn't really a, a strong reaction when that came up.
0: Shannon, after making it through this first day of jury selection, do we have any indication of how long this process might take?
2: Well, if they keep up this pace, they could potentially have a jury by the end of the week, which is, I think, a lot faster than people were expecting, considering the high-profile nature of this case. Shannon, Chip, thanks a lot. Thank you.
1: My pleasure.
0: That's WBEC's Shannon Heffernan and Chip Mitchell. It's not often that a police officer is on trial, and in some ways that fact turns jury selection on its head. Before the jury selection process got underway today, we spoke with Chicago Tribune reporters Stacey Sinclair and Megan Crepeau about what each side is looking for in potential jurors.
3: The prosecution, um, instead of you know, looking for the, the pro-law enforcement uh, type that they typically look for, in this case... They have to look for, sort of for a different type of juror. And one legal expert that I spoke with, Antonio Romanucci, who last year won the biggest civil case uh, in a police misconduct case for a, an officer-involved off-duty shooting, said that they did dozens, maybe a half-dozen, a dozen focus groups in the lead-up to their trial. And what they found was their message and uh, resonated best with mothers, and that's who they wanted um, on their jury and in fact the case ended up having the largest police misconduct verdict in Illinois history and the forewoman was a suburban mother one expert I spoke to said he, a former prosecutor said he would go for um, teachers and um, emergency room nurses, people who weigh uh, other people's credibility and believability on a daily basis and then make decisions based on you know whether they feel that person is telling them the truth. The former prosecutor also said that um, he would gravitate toward middle managers who've have who've had to lay people off because he believes that um, they know what it's like to feel sympathy for a person and still make a tough decision that greatly uh, impacts their lives. Then, Megan, what about on the defense
0: side?
4: Well, I think they're going to be looking for people who have close ties to law enforcement, whether that's family, whether that's close friends, people who see the effects of the job up close, people who genuinely believe that police sign up for that job with the best of intentions, who genuinely want to help the city, and who understand you know, what it's like for them to go out in the streets and make those difficult decisions.
0: So we know the defense is likely to look for jurors who are pro-police. Are there any other parts of that juror profile they might be focused in on? So I talked to Sam Adam Jr., who was the uh, defense
3: attorney in the R. Kelly case and and won an acquittal in Judge Gahn's courtroom in that case. And he said if he was Van Dyke's attorneys, he would be looking for people who've had to make split-second decisions that could change everything, He mentioned crossing guards, um, air traffic controllers. Uh, He said he liked um, veterans, but not just any veterans, he would want veterans who've actually been in combat.
0: Megan, when we look at the role race is going to play in this trial, how much will that play into jury selection?
4: Well, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, it's an extraordinarily racially fraught case in the first place. You know, it it exposed a lot of fault lines along race that have been, you know, part of Chicago history for a very long time, kind of laid those bare. Now, there's a lot of case law showing that, you know, basically banning, saying that lawyers can't strike potential jurors solely on the basis of race. But that's going to be kind of an undercurrent through this whole selection. Uh, If the prosecutors get a sense, for example, that the defense is trying to strike black jurors in a systematic way, they can be expected to complain to the judge about it. Now, the thing is, there are ways to sort of get around that. I mean, all you have to do to survive a challenge like that is give anything not race based. It can be a gut feeling. It can be just about anything has survived sort of higher court challenges. As long as you have a reason that's not race based, you can uh, survive what they call the Batson challenge.
0: Stacey, Jason Van Dyke's team could still opt for a bench trial. Do you have a sense for when that decision might actually take place if they opt for the bench trial? So uh, under state law, they have until the 12th juror is sworn in
3: to automatically get a bench trial if they request it. And, and the judge um, has said he will swear um, each juror in one by one. So there will sort of be 11 chances for uh, Jason Van Dyke to, to change his mind. After the 12th juror is sworn in um, under Illinois state law, he can request a bench trial, but it is up to the judge to make the decision whether to grant it or not, and the judge can refuse it if he feels that government money has been wasted or the juror's time um, has been wasted or it's been an inconvenience for the jurors, and I think given this judge and, and what I've seen in his courtroom and what I know about his concern about Jurors times and uh, taxpayer money being wasted that I think once that 12th juror is sworn in,
0: it's a jury trial. That was Stacey St. Clair and Megan Cropot of the Chicago Tribune. 16 Shots is a production of WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune. It was produced by James Edwards with assistance from Joe Disseau. Our reporting team includes Shannon Heffernan, Chip Mitchell, and Patrick Smith. Mike Lansu is our digital editor with help from Paula Friedrich and Gabrielle Wright. Our senior editor is Rob Wilderbor. Brendan Bannazak is our executive producer. Steve Edwards is WBEZ's chief content officer. Special thanks to the Tribune editors, Matt O'Connor, Tracy Van Morlehem, and Angela Rosa O'Toole. And thanks to the WBEZ Newsroom, whose reporting was instrumental to this series. Additional thanks to Justin Bull, Max Green, Quinn Myers, Michael Puente, and Sophie Lalonde. You can find out more about the case at wbez.org 16shots. And check this podcast feed regularly for updates from the trial of Officer Jason Van Dyke.
3: Now, more than ever, facts matter. That's why the journalists at the Chicago Tribune are committed to quality journalism, relentlessly pursuing the truth and providing you with the stories that impact your community, as well as your daily life. Get fact-based journalism and support the future of investigative reporting, like 16 Shots, by subscribing to the Chicago Tribune today. Visit chicagotribune.com slash 16 Shots for a special subscription offer just for listeners of this podcast.